All right, buddy. Kick us off. Ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to the reigning, defending, undisputed podcast. My name is Ian Anderson, and with me, as always, my best friend and co-host, Nathan Robinson. Hello, hello. All right, Nathan, we got plenty of talk to talk about. We got to recap uh, UFC 258, uh, uh, Usman versus Burns. We got to talk a little bit about uh, the upcoming uh, the upcoming card this week is Blades and Derek Lewis, and uh, and then we'll, we'll there's a few you know some breaking news uh, coming out today that we we got we also got to talk about. So let's not waste any time. Let's get into it. Yeah, buddy. All right. So first of all, UFC 258, as we talked about, it was a bit of a lighter card, but uh, really overall, I thought it was a solid card. I ended up really enjoying it. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, I didn't get to see the main card live, but um, the, from when I watched the prelims and stuff, it was all pretty exciting, man. And from the highlights looked pretty good. I liked it. It was. It was a pretty good card. Uh, a lot of submission wins, a lot of a uh, few upsets on the way. So the first fight we want to talk about uh, was uh, Bilal Muhammad's win over Diego Lima. Uh, Diego yeah. Lima being the brother of, um, um, oh my goodness, why can't I remember his name now? Uh, uh, Douglas. Lima. Douglas, thank you. Douglas Lima, from uh, who is the welterweight champion in Bellator right now. Uh, but He's yeah. an absolute beast. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he Just is throw that out there quick. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, no, uh, undisputed. Yeah, D- Douglas Lima is a beast. His brother... You know, uh, definitely could take a few lessons uh, from from Douglas because uh, he did not look too great in this fight, at least against Bilal Muhammad. Muhammad, uh, outstanding performance. Outstanding. Uh, immediately, you know, p- uh, keeping Lima out, uh, you know, uh, on the outside of the cage at all, at all times, constantly keeping pressure up. His uh, combination work was amazing, switching from the body to the head. Uh just an outstanding performance by Bilal Muhammad. Yeah, it was amazing, man. His boxing specifically was just uh, was just so good. He was, he was switching up his timing. was so excellent. It's like I'm throwing one, I'm throwing two, maybe I'm throwing three, maybe I'm throwing one. I'll come from the left, from the right, up the middle, all over the place. And it's just pressure, pressure, pressure. I feel like as Douglas is uh, getting like um, – Or Diego. Or Diego, sorry. As Diego's getting more and more uh, tired and worn out, it's like he's he's being smart and he's picking his shots well because he knows he can't just fire as back as much as Bilal can. He doesn't have the energy to, so he's picking his shots. And when he's throwing, it's landing a bit. But it's just like it's just watching a guy who clearly has the IQ to fight just just like slowly getting broken down by someone who has the condition to fight, you know? And Paul's uh, IQ is amazing, too. Like, he just – he pieced him up so well. His performance, as you said, is outstanding. Yeah, his conditioning was amazing. His ability to cut off the cage, uh, to keep, uh, you know, Diego constantly in a corner, not really being able to use any range or movement against him. It was just an outstanding performance. Yeah, it was really, really nice, man. All right, we'll and move on. kept pushing that. for those takedowns, too. So, yes, yes, he did. He was always pushing pressure. for those takedowns. Was, wasn't making them, but eventually gets that nice slam and stuff. So it's like, it was good. So yeah, let's, and, let's move on. Uh, yeah, uh, just, uh, yeah. Uh, but also just, I, I like, I love seeing that. Uh, you know, a guy who, even when he's, you know, out striking another guy, uh, still trying to switch it up. If for no other reason, just to keep the other guy on his toes. 
you know, never yeah. really letting Lima get comfortable. You know, even faking those takedowns sometimes is is, is effective. A hundred percent, man. It's like if, if you want to outbox the guy, make him scared of your kicks and your takedowns, so you can stay in that boxing range and smash him. You know, yeah. You uh, you can't just keep him scared of the fist if you're gonna box. You gotta you gotta do everything. And yeah, that's a good point, man. Sorry, right, let's let's move on. Like you're saying, uh, the next one we want to talk about is the headliner of the uh, of the undercard. Uh, I was Anthony Hernandez versus Rodolfo Vera. Uh, Hernandez coming in as a big underdog in this card. He was thirty to one to submit uh, Vera because Vera is a former Abu Dhabi uh, combat. Uh, he's a he's an ADCCC champion, uh, but. Anthony Hernandez able to get off a huge upset and submit uh, Vera in the first round with a crazy guillotine. Yeah, yeah, that was that was wicked. It's um, uh, Armin guillotine. Yeah, it was uh, like a modified guillotine. It was it was pretty interesting. Yeah, you, it's surprising to pull it off on uh, on uh, jujitsu specialists like that, especially it's like. It's almost like normally with a guillotine, you don't want that arm in. You want nothing but neck, right? So you get full wrap around, cover, and you get the leverage. But this way is on the outside, so it seems like a little bit less leverage, maybe. I'm not fully sure. It seems like it, though. And then he's got that second arm in there. Normally, that arm is a space to keep you able to breathe. I feel like it's almost because Buddy assumed it's not going to work, is why it did work. You know, it's like. My arm's in there. I'm safe. Felt too safe. But he also might not have fully been aware of what's going on. He was getting smashed pretty hard up until that point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it, <laughs> that was an interesting thing. I think it was almost uh, Hernandez, you know, just was so determined to tap him out. You know, it was, you know, Hernandez said going into that fight, he wanted to tap him out just to say he could. And it's, you know, and I also think uh, maybe maybe that had something to do with it. Once the fight went to the ground, Vera was like, all right, we're in a better position. We're somewhere I'm more comfortable. Wait, what's happening? Like, <laughs> like yeah. you know what I mean? Like, all of a sudden, you know, it's, it's interesting when fighters get taken to a position where they should be comfortable, but all of a sudden they're not in their, you know, they're not in the dominant position. Yeah. So Yeah, exactly. Uh, He's, uh, that's a good point, too. So I just want to add on to that, that uh, that is the first time an ADCC champion has been uh, tapped out since um, Frank Mir did it to, I can't get to his name on the top of my head right now, but uh, yeah, Frank Mir was the first guy to submit an ADCC champion in the octagon, which of course he was, he's Frank Mir. <laughs> yeah, oh, Frank Mir's, yeah. Frank Mir's a legend of submissions as a uh, highest amount of... Uh... Arms broken in uh, in MMA, I believe. Which is just a now, terrifying. Now that I'm thinking about it, Ronda Rousey may have stolen that, but I'm not sure. Uh, just, uh have to look into that. But uh, I'd have to look into that. All right, so let's move on into the main card, which I know you didn't get to see too much of. Uh, yeah. but for the most part, our predictions were pretty solid. Uh, we did predict that Gaslam would win against uh, Ian. Ian Heinisch. Uh, it was not a, the uh, the knockout upset we were hoping for. He he did go to decision, but it was a dominant performance by Gastelum, and uh, I was really happy to see that. Yeah, it's good to see him in the wins. Keep him near the top. Yep, 
Absolutely. I, I think Gaslam's, you know, I don't think Gaslam should be going anywhere. I think he's still got a spot in the UFC. And I think that, that oh, yeah. uh, performance more than proved it. All right, buddy. I'm sorry, but we got to talk about Oh, that. man. It's a tough <laughs> one, man. It's a tough pill to swallow. It's a bitter pill to swallow. Okay? I hate to say right, it. But... I hate to say I told you so. But I fucking have told you. No, so. you don't. No, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> as soon as it happened, you're probably arriving about how you get to tell me you told me so. Man, yeah. No, no. The thing is, is what it is, man. As I see her leading up to these fights, I uh, totally followed into the hype train, man. I totally followed in. Once she gets these uh, harder opponents, it doesn't seem like. Uh, I guess, yeah. Well, let's yeah. <laughs> let me let me let me cue the audience itself. in. We're talking about Alexa Grasso's win over uh, Macy Barber. She got the third round decision, uh, like I said she would. But <laughs> <laughs> but I will I will give Macy Barber props. Uh, I it, it wasn't necessarily that she went in with a bad game plan or anything like that. Um, Barber, you know, was was you know came out like a bat, came out very strong, trying to get the quick win. Uh, in between round one and two, it seemed like her coaches were kind of tell- like she was she was getting pieced up a little bit, but her coaches were trying to tell her like, all right, maybe ease off, you know, try to switch it up, uh, maybe push her against the, you know, get her in the clinch, push her against the cage, try to tire her out a bit. But even there, she couldn't. Uh, Grasso would reverse the position, and it just really seemed like uh, Barber was really, you know, no matter what bar- where Barber tried to take the fight, uh, Grasso was just you know, had a little bit more conditioning, had a little bit more uh, footwork, especially on the feet. You know, uh, uh, Grasso would get her with a, a quick one-two, move out of the way of her big swings. And then the third round, it was, was really something because you could tell that uh, in between rounds, Barber's corner was like, you need the finish if you want to win this because Macy yeah. Barber came out of her corner like a bat out of hell. I mean, was throwing wild hooks, like throwing, you know, really swinging for the fences. But at that point, she hadn't really done enough to Grasso to really slow Grasso down enough. And Grasso just mostly just ducked out of the way of the big swings from Macy. So I do give, uh, I do give Macy her credit. She, she didn't, you know, she didn't, she never gave up on herself and she never tried to, you know, she never stopped looking for that win. But uh, yeah, Grasso really, really well done technically on the feet. Uh, you know, switching between leg kicks and boxing. It was it was a very good performance by Grasso. Yeah, man. Yeah. I, uh, I do see a bright future for Macy Barber, but uh it's looking like she's gonna she's gonna have to work on some things for a little bit. It's not gonna be the quick, early, bright future that she was hoping for. And I just hope that that doesn't uh play too much of a negative part in her mental game, you know? If she's a little overconfident coming in and then Starts racking a couple losses. Hopefully that doesn't defeat her mentally. And I don't think it will, but we've seen it happen many times before. So I hope uh, yeah, I hope she just learns from this and just keeps getting better. And if so, I don't see a reason why she won't uh, won't keep climbing. And I, I do think that ego is something to bring up uh, going into this one because she, she even said before the fight that if she beats Grosser, she's going to call, call out Joanne Calderwood. And I was like, well, let's, you know, it's one of those examples of, you know, these, you know, someone who's supposed to be a, you know, a young up and comer. It's just like, you really should just think about one fight at the time, one fight at a time, you know, yeah. once yeah, you're you thinking, never look past your opponent. Exactly. Once you're thinking about the fight after your, your current fight, it's like, 
you have to get the win first. Then you can call, you know, it's, it's fine to have someone in mind for who you want to call it if you yeah. win, but just for her to openly say like, Oh, I'm calling out Joanne Calderwood after this. It's like, all right, well get the win first. Then you can call her out. Yeah, exactly. Especially if you're calling out someone who's uh, ranked decently higher than your current opponent. I feel yeah. like, uh, I feel like, yeah, the only time you ever really look past your opponent and you're not, it's not even fully looking past your opponent. It's, but it's when, when you feel like you're pretty deserving of a title shot and you're already in the top five, you've on, you're on a win streak. You like just took out like the top one or two guy or whatever. And it's like, you have a fight coming up. It's like, okay, I know that if I win this, I'm getting a title shot. Such and such is champion. Now they don't have a fight lined up. So it's most likely going to be me versus them after this fight. But that's all. That's as deep as that thought needs to be, you know? Focus on the fight, the task at hand. Exactly. GSP said it his best. Your most dangerous opponent is the one that's coming up. I don't think that's word for word what he said, but that's basically what he said. For Your sure. Your most dangerous opponent is the next one that you're about to fight. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um and and I, I like I agree with you. I do think Macy Barber will find her place. She needs needs to improve on some fundamentals. Um, uh, you know, get a, a more clear of a game plan going. Because here's the thing: she's she's got the spirit and she's got the you know she's got the power. It's just yeah, it, it, she just needs to clean up on her boxing, her footwork a little bit, uh, and uh, maybe work on you know work against for that clinch against the cage. If she's going to use that, you know, she's really got to work on her her clinch work against the cage so she can keep her opponent there so that the, you know, her opponent doesn't reverse position, but yeah, yeah I do agree with you. Macy Barber's definitely got a future. Uh, Alexa Grosso just looking amazing. I hope she's, uh, you know, I hope she goes on to fight maybe uh, Joanne Calderwood or, or somebody in their top rankings next. Yeah. 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 Why not? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> That's exactly. actually, that'd actually be hilarious if they set that fight up. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully that doesn't grind her. Yeah. <laughs> um, so let's talk about the main event. Uh, just an incredible yes. performance by uh, Kamaru Usman getting the finish uh, in the third round over, I think it was the third round. It was either late in the second. It was or, third round, yeah. Yeah, it was the third round. Okay. So interesting fight. Uh, Gilbert Burns did not look bad, came out in the first round. Throwing really nice combinations through. Uh, you and I were talking about this. He would throw a leg kick to uh, Usman's lead leg to make him. And uh, Usman is a orthodox, so it would make him exit to his uh, his right side, but uh, or make exit to his left side, and then but that would exactly set up Burns's wild swinging right hook, and uh, Burns connected with that a couple of times, and it was really nice. Yeah. And uh, dropped Usman at once, one point too. That's right. Didn't uh, didn't fully like lay him on his back or nothing, but he dropped down to his hand to a knee and then stood back up. That was pretty hefty in the first round. Yeah, exactly. And it it was looking like a really good uh, a really good opening for uh, for uh, Gilbert Burns. And so in between the first and the second round, uh. You, they actually went to Usman's corner, and I believe it's Trevor Whitman as his coach. Uh, he said something that really caught my attention, especially knowing, knowing the outcome of the fight. He said to him, he goes, work off that jab. You're a champion because you jab. And that was the last thing he said to him as the, as the, the, as the second round began. And Usman took that straight to heart because he 
immediately started working off of his jab way cleaner, way crisper. Uh, every time Gilbert Burns tried to come in with like an interesting combo, you know, a nice leg kick or something, he would just meet uh, Usman's jab or a straight. And those, you know, didn't take long to start adding up. And, you know, yeah. as, yeah, you know, as you said, Burns got knocked down in the first round or uh, Burns knocked down Usman in the first round, but then all of a sudden Burns was getting knocked down by these, these jabs and straights in the second. And yeah. that from, and from that point on, it, that was pretty much the fight. It was uh, uh, going into the third Burns got dropped again by jabs and straights. And then Usman finished him on the ground. So really, you know, dominant performance by Usman. You got to love, uh, you know, Usman's got to love his cornermen for that one. He, uh, you know, just they're a well-oiled machine at this point. They, they, uh, you know, he he takes his corner advice very well, and uh, which is huge. Yes, yes, absolutely. That's uh, sorry, I just want to jump in quickly. That's that's something that is a massive aspect of the of whether or not you're a champion or just a good fighter is how well you can work with your corner because they can train you leading up to the fight. You got months to train and. You could take all that in, and then it's like that's in you. You got all the techniques, but in that moment, you got to understand that like your corner can see things that you don't. When you duck your head, or you don't, uh, you cover your face a little bit, they see everything that you don't, right? And vice versa, you see things that they don't because you're right up there. But when they're telling you something, whether it's the right advice or the wrong advice, you got to trust them, and that's why you got to have a good corner because it's got to be the right advice. It has to be the right advice, and you have to trust that it's the right advice and go for it. You can't be too much confusion, like too many confusing things coming. Like you have one strategy, but they have a different strategy. You know, you kind of want to use your strategy. They're saying this strategy. It's like, well, all right, well, I guess I'll just abandon my strategy, go for theirs. You have to be working, as you said, a well-oiled machine. I guess uh, that's a good way to put it. I feel like uh, just that he listens to his corner well, and his corner tells him the right advice, man. It's 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 a team effort it's it's a one-on-one fight but it is a team effort and uh yeah he, he's got that power coming straight up the middle they're right on point saying your champ because your jab we saw it in all of his last latest fights that jab is nasty man i was just about we talked to about it in the last podcast about kobe i was just about to say man you cannot say he's a one-dimensional fighter anymore because he uh he is a, an excellent wrestler but yeah his boxing his fundamentals in boxing his like we were talking about it's not complicated. It's a jab and a straight and he switches it up with yeah. hooks from time to time, but they're lethal. You know, they're, they're lethal. They, they are very, very dangerous. And anyone who's going in the octagon against them is going to have to figure something out. Cause that, and yeah. it's almost that, you know, uh, I think you and I agree, you know, with our, a little bit of um, Muay Thai background is like simplistic striking. Like it, you know, it's, it may just be a jab and a straight, but if you know how to perfect it, it's it's incredible to watch someone use it. Yeah, you know you really don't it need. Really is. Uh, and especially with the uh, you know that was such a night and day thing within in this fight was Burns was throwing crazy you know leg kicks into a flying hook and was throwing really nice combinations. But it's just like if you just and he got burned by just the the simplest of fundamentals. No pun intended, by the way. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Ian making a pun, eh? Yeah, I made a pun. I mean, <laughs> I <see> accidentally. That. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, but oh yeah, 
that's just you're right. Sometimes the simple meat and potatoes is all you need, and uh, if you can perfect that, and it it really goes a long way. Being unorthodox, thinking outside the box, that is what changes the game. You know, like adding something new, that's what changes the game. When the game gets changed, everyone has to adjust. But that meat and potatoes straight down the center with some power, some hooks with some power that are set up with something simple like a jab, leg kicks, it works, man. It works. And there's a reason why as the game constantly evolves, that doesn't go away. That remains, you know. There's certain things that you see start going away because they just, you just, it just doesn't work anymore. But or it worked for one guy really well, and then everyone else figured out how to use it. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's that's a good point too. Like like Anderson Silva, for example. Look at him; he's absolute beast with uh, with his head movements, out of the way, out of the way. And so people are trying to find the way to punch him. They're like, "How do I get to him? Maybe I can do it." Well, this guy. Thinks he could do it, but no, no, it's my chance. I could do it. Maybe it's a kick. Maybe it's this. I don't know. And they're all waiting. You know, like a chill soda. And he comes. He's like, guys, just run at him. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's you don't have to do anything special. Run at him. Get your arms out wide. Get that wingspan going and catch him. Grab a hold of him and power him to the ground. Yeah, you know, he's on the ground. You can't you can't move his head. <laughs> if you he might yeah you know, yeah exactly you might eat one on the way in but as long as you got your chin tucked and you can still grab them you're 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 you know you're golden exactly and uh, yeah it's it's the Bob Ross thing we've been saying a lot lately once you gotta sometimes you just gotta do what many have done before the old one two. <laughs> <laughs> Um, if I give, I could, if I could give a slight criticism to Gilbert, and here's the thing: I don't think Gilbert Burns is going to be going anywhere. I think that kid, or that kid, that guy has uh, a lot of, you know, he's his fundamentals are very good. Uh, I think he'll stick around in the top ten, um, even top five of the welterweight division for a little bit. He may, you know, he, he could yeah. definitely build himself back up to a title shot. Um, he totally could. What, what if, what if after he dropped Usman, if he followed up with two heavies right after that, that could have been. A very different outcome, you know? Exactly. You never so, know. But the only criticism I, make a, I could give is, like I was saying, that combination he was doing of the leg kick followed by the right hook, the flying right hook, uh, was really good. And it, he did use it to really good effectiveness uh, in the beginning. But he went back to the well too many times with it. Uh, and you saw Usman start to start to really predict it when he was going for it. And he would just keep his hands high so that on the exit, so that he couldn't clip him with the right hook. And uh, I think, I think that that like we were talking about the you know the, the instructions between a, a guy in his corner, you know, working like a well-oiled machine. I think his his corner should have said something to him like, "Listen, that that combination, he's reading it. You can't do it anymore, or you gotta you gotta switch it up somehow." Uh, yeah, he just he just wasn't hiding it uh, very well. And I think it cost him. Yeah. There's, you can telegraph a, a strike right then and there, you know, turn your hips heavy. Well, it looks like he's about to kick. There's that kind of telegraphing. And then there's just repeating the same thing over and over again. And it's like, okay. Like, I just, like, I don't have to see a proper telegraph leading up to it. I can assume that's what's going to happen. And, uh, I mean, you can catch people off guard by doing that, making them assume something's going to happen. Or... You can eat it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But yeah, overall, yeah. really good card. Um, 
was very happy with uh, quite a quite a few results. So, uh, but this because news from this card now now leads into the news of the day. So now that I, I tease Nathan before because so to bring you up to speed, if you don't know what's happening with uh, Leon Edwards, he was set to fight uh, Kosmet Chemaev for the second time, and somehow. Or not somehow. I mean, I feel really bad for the guy. He's he, the first time he pulled out because he had COVID, and now he's pulled out again due to COVID comp- complications. So I'm hoping that a he didn't get it twice, or b that if he's feeling sort of repercussions from the first time he had it, I hope he can fully recover and we can get him back in the octagon sometime soon. Um, but on top of that, so Leon Edwards. Uh, still trying to get paid. He's been inactive for almost two years now. Obviously, he's just dying. You know, this poor guy, he's actually, you know, looking for a fight. So he, he and he's also trying to save this card. So he, he sets out a, an open challenge to any welterweight uh, in the top 10 that wants to fight him. And uh, we heard he was calling out Kobe Covington. He called out Masvidal. He called out uh, Nate Diaz. Uh, unfortunately for him, Nate Diaz and Kobe Covington both gave him a sort of, uh, sort of just brushed him off and said, who the hell is this guy? You haven't been active in the past two years. So you're not getting, you know, you're not fighting me, but we got our answer today as to who Leon Edwards is fighting. He's fighting Bilal Muhammad. No way, dude. Yeah. Wow. Very interesting. So that's going to be a quick turnaround for Bilal Muhammad, but oh. he looked good in that fight against Diego Lima. So why not? Well, he looks great. Mm-hmm. That's uh that's a really interesting fight. That's a good fight too. Um, oh, wow. I, I never thought of that. <laughs> that's exciting. I like that a lot. I think it's good because it's a big step up for Bilal, right? In, uh, in ranking at least. It's a big step up. And also, uh, for Leon Edwards coming back for the two years, if there is any ring rust there, well, why not a pressure fighter for you? To yeah. get rid of that ring rust, you know? Someone is really going to pressure you. So it's a good time for Bilal to fight someone up higher because the guy might have some ring rust to him. And it's a good fight for Leon Edwards coming back because, yeah, he's ranked below him, but he's a heavy pressure fighter who just displayed some amazing boxing skills. And I really like that matchup. Me wow. too. I was very happy with that news. I was, uh, I was, I was, yeah, I was just like, you know what? That's an interesting move, but I, I'm into it. I'm, I'm very much into it as well. Top, uh, yeah. you know, rising star versus a guy who, yeah, like we're saying, he is a top fiver, but we haven't seen him in a while. So great way to establish yourself as back to being, you know, same old, same old. So wait a second though. Wait a second. When does this card? Uh, that's a good question. Let me look that up very quickly. Um, I believe it wasn't. I, I don't believe it's too far away, though. Is the thing? Yeah, because Bilal, although he looked great, uh, like he did, like he did take some damage, and that was a three rounder, and uh, he threw like everything at him. And I mean, two he's, he's, two weight cuts back to back is never like good. That. Sorry, sorry to interrupt. Yeah, exactly. No, it's all good. Wow, that fight is coming up very soon. That's March 13th. March wow. 13th. Yeah, see, that's – things are getting spicy with that. That's that's soon. If he comes in and beats Leon Edwards, 
that quick, man. That looks good. That looks that amazing. Looks really good. That looks amazing to do not only two fights but two weight cuts. You know, within a month of one another is incredible. Uh, so that's. Uh, but that's know, not an easy fight, though, man. No, 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 that is not an easy fight for Muhammad. But uh, I will say, it is. It, I mean. That to get this to get this news for Mohammed uh, this this soon from his last fight must be relieving because it's not even like he's going to, you know, he's just going to stay in fighting shape. He doesn't have to really do a serious weight cut again. He's just going to stay around what he weighs now. And yeah, why do a big weight cut again? You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, makes sense. That, that's uh, that's a good point. Just kind of yeah, stay around the weight he's already at. Uh, that's that is a really interesting point. Yeah, he might do that. That's uh, man, I'm just I'm shook right now. That's like I never saw that coming. But that's every now and then, man. UFC just hits us with some something awesome. Like, oh, what about this shit, man? You think of this? It's like, <laughs> nah, we didn't, and we love it. You know, that's what we want from you guys. We want stuff like this. We want these kind of curveballs. We don't want Masvidal versus Kamaru as the coaches. That's not the curveball we needed. <laughs> <laughs> we want Bilal versus Leon. We want that kind of stuff. Man, that's uh, that's a hard fight. I, I, uh, I'd give that fight to Leon Edwards. I think most people would. But uh, the two-year layoff is really what uh, is, uh, is a really big question there. And then just the fact that Bilal's last performance was clearly his best is – it's like, yeah, there's two big questions. Absolutely. It's just, yeah, it's how, how well he can Blal recover and, and make weight again. And is Leon Edwards' ring rest really going to affect him? Yeah. So as you, as you uh, alluded to there, the other breaking news is that we have new, two new coaches for the next season of Tough. And it will be Jorge Masvidal and Kamaro Usman. Yes. And... Not bad, you know. Always good to have. A, it's not bad. Always good to have a current champion as one of the uh, one of the coaches. That certainly will bring some eyes over. But as you and I uh, discussed earlier, why not Kobe Covington and Masvidal? You know why not, man? Why not? Why won't you give this to us? <laughs> we need it. We need Kobe and Masvidal, man. We need that fight so badly. And, like, Kamaru just beat Masvidal. And, it had, it's, it, you know this? I don't have a huge issue with Kamaru coaching versus Masvidal. It's the timing. It's why right now? Like, why? Like, man, it's just frustrating because I just think – Kobe versus Masvidal is so much more exciting for right now. I think both of them should have to get a win before they get to fight Masvidal. I think Kobe, Kobe on one hand, you and I were talking about this the other day. Kobe versus Kamaru Usman was an absolute slugfest. It was an amazing fight. Neither of them wanted any wrestling. There's just pure boxing which is so different than their regular styles. You know, there's so much real beef going behind that fight. And it was, yeah, it was just brutal altogether. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Kamaru got the, the finish, obviously. 
and is it, but it was in the fifth round, and Colby was doing really good. He was smashing too, and um, in my opinion, and in some other people's opinions, I know it's very controversial this one, but I feel like there's a chance Colby could have had that fight had uh, had the fifth round been different. But um, so for that reason, I feel like Colby deserves a rematch to Cameron right away. No, of course not. He needs some fights. But now he's taking out Tyron Woodley. And I believe that's it, right? He's only fighting Tyron since Cameron? Yep, since then. Yeah, he's only fought uh, Tyron. So he fought Tyron Woodley. Got a finish. Beat him pretty good. I know it wasn't necessarily him finishing Tyron. It was more so Tyron finishing himself by popping <laughs> his own rib masturbation attempt. <laughs> but, but Kobe was beating his ass. Yeah, regardless of Woodley's rib injury. I mean, Colby was dominating. Colby was dominating. And I'm pretty sure he was smashing that rib leading up to it. She was so set it up. Mm-hmm. But anyways, so in my opinion, I feel like, yeah, there's a one fight, and then he needs a second fight. A second win will lead him back to Comer, in my opinion. I think he gets that. And then you get Masvidal. I think um, because he went all five rounds and he didn't get – yeah, he got dominated the entire time. But he didn't take like serious damage, really. I think he also deserves a rematch, and especially because he was on like six to nine days' notice or something like that. Those are reasons he deserves a rematch, but not right away. And as far as I'm aware, he hasn't fought anyone since. No, right? No, he hasn't fought anybody. So it's like, give him. Yeah, yeah. He's got the argument of full camp behind him. So like, we want we want to see him get a rematch. Give him Colby. The two of them each need one good win to get back to Conor. Why not then be the that be the fight, man? This is the best time for that fight to go down, in my opinion, man. Now, Just... now, Nathan, let me pitch this to you. All right, pitch it. What if you keep Kamaru Usman as the coach, but the other coach is Kobe Covington? Well, then things get spicy. <laughs> See, like... Like, you know I'm a fan of Heat, bro. You know I'm a fan of that. That's going to be – see, that, that's spicy because, like, because the real beef. It's like, man, I know I was just – I was literally just saying that Masvidal and Kobe need a win each, so they should fight before this, and that's why Masvidal shouldn't get it. But it's different if you're going to offer it to Kobe because that beef is so real that, like, everyone wants to see that. Like everyone would love to see that coaching go down. And this is is why. And so I disagree. So this is the thing. I disagree. I agree with you that this is not the way they should have booked it. Uh, I think, you know, in terms of getting, you know, uh, more name recognition. Yes. Mazvidal has never been hotter. uh, And Usman's never been hotter. But I think if you like, if they had, if they had made that simple, simple switch of keep Usman as the coach, but make it Covington as the other coach. That's how you draw people in because it's that, like you said, that's real heat. That's real beef. That those yeah. two despise one another, and yeah. though that that to me makes the best seasons of tough. That's what makes me want to watch it. The best seasons of tough are uh, you know Randy Jackson versus uh, um, oh sorry, not Randy Jackson, Rampage Jackson versus um, oh my God, why can't I remember his name? Uh, Rashad, Evans. Rashad Evans, thank you. Where I and uh, Chuck Liddell versus Tito, 
where it's just like, yeah. you know, these guys legitimately hate one another. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what you want to watch. And so that's exactly, yeah. So you want to, this is what you want to see, especially during the coaches thing, the reality TV shows, we want the drama, you know, that's, that's what they want mostly from that. And they, obviously they're not just going to throw in random coaches they have before, but they, they, they want to, they want to have real guys and both Kamaru and Colby and Masvidal too. Like, don't get me wrong. They're very capable of being coaches and actually providing a proper, a proper, um, they, they, they can play their role very well is what I'm saying. You yeah. Know, both, both for what they're supposed to do and for the drama aspect to bring in the fans. Um, such such different ways of coming at things too. It's really like a good guy versus a bad guy, and. Uh, but if, if I can argue with you there, uh, not to argue actually, but just to go on what you're saying, uh, another great season of tough was Vanderlei Silva versus Chael Sonnen, and yeah, that I was think real beef. That was real beef. A that is real beef, but B, it also allowed us to see a different angle of Chael. You know, he was no longer just the bad guy all the time. He was the coach. He was, you know, a guy who was genuinely concerned for making sure that the guys under his wing were good, you know, were good to go into their fights. And I think uh, I think that would have been a good idea for Kobe Covington because, you know, he's got this gimmick right now of MAGA and Trump supporter. And Trump's just lost. And, of course, his beef with with uh, with Usman's very real, and I, I don't think that would change on the show, but I do think it would change the way we got to see Kobe Covington, because all of a sudden yeah. he gets to be a coach now. We get to see a more you know a more him being a mentor, being a guy who's looking out for other people. Yeah, I just think it was a missed opportunity, honestly. That is a really good point, actually, dude. And uh, I I don't know if we've talked about that on the podcast. But, uh, but that's a that's a big thing you just touched on is uh, is Trump not being president anymore. I know I know it's funny to say, but that's a big thing with Colby's image. He was a pro Trump, huge fan of Trump, like greatest guy, treats him like he's gold, and it's like this whole thing. Like he just goes into that so hard. It's his whole ego. It's his whole persona. And now that Trump's gone in the way that he did and like the nasty taste that's left in most people's mouths behind it, it's like you can't come back in still preaching pro-Trump stuff, right? So it's like, what is he going to do? Is he going to have a complete switch? I remember you told me one time you're uh, you're comparing it to like a WWE style because he is like coming in. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of WWE and the wrestling stuff. Uh, I believe you uh, compared him to Ric Flair. You're saying like the way he comes in his persona and stuff. And uh, you got to wonder if he's just going to come in with a completely new persona now that that one's dead. Well, so this is just, so yeah, to, to, so to, to tell, yeah, I am a wrestling fan. I do enjoy, like, I don't want, anyway, I, I don't, I'm not going to try to justify it. I, I love wrestling. I, it's great. Um, <laughs> I, 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 I'm, I'm a mark for it. But uh, the thing about, the thing about um, Covington's, his, his gimmick if we're looking at this like a pro wrestling thing is like, he's a heel. He's the ultimate heel. He makes you hate him. Every time he opens his mouth, he's just pro, you know, you're all a bunch of soy boys. You're a bunch of pussies, you know, look at these animals from Brazil. Like he just, 
he knows how to make you just oh just i want to fucking kill this guy but like we talked about this gimmick for him is now you know it's gone it's gone south because trump not only did trump lose he lost in this way with you know the whole uh you know them taking over the capitol building thing like it it looks really really bad now so now is definitely the time for for kobe to change his gimmick and he's got to turn at least if he's not going to turn like what what they call in wrestling like babyface or like if he's not going to become a good guy he at least needs to find a way to uh re reimage himself as as still a bad guy but a bad guy that's now rejected his old gimmick sort of thing yeah and yeah. I, I think the best way to or sorry keep on and no and i just yeah just to finish that as just i think that's a missed opportunity by the ufc uh if he was the coach if he was the coach of tough and now he he's now we see him in a different light as a coach as a guy who's you know like we were talking about earlier as a, as a new you know it just brings a new light to kobe Covington. I'm not saying it would, you know, necessarily people would forgive everything he's done, but it would at least give yeah. us a chance to not see him as the manga guy anymore. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You'd see a little more personal aspects and stuff. You see him trying to build people up and as opposed to just trying to break people down. Yeah, you'd see more to him, more intimates, uh, more intimacy stuff. But I feel like um I feel like the best way for him to, to deal with this if he's going to keep this bad guy attitude, which I assume he will, uh, is that he's just going to not even talk about it. And when people try to talk about it, he's take, he'll take over the interview and uh, by just talking trash about his next opponent or future opponents, potential opponents. And uh, whenever people bring it up, he's just, he's just going to not even like deny it or anything. He's just going to sidetrack it, uh, completely switch the subject. And uh yeah, I think that's for the most part, right? Until people crawl in the corner him, he'll he'll say what he has to say and then switch the subject as soon as he can. I mean, just keep that bad guy attitude and distance himself from everything that happened. I don't want to lean to, you know, I don't want this whole podcast to be a Kobe Covington gimmick podcast, but my my opinion of that is I think he should lean into it. I think he should call Trump and his supporters losers now. I think he's like he, I think he should lean into yeah. it that way. I think he should be like he lost the election. You know, I don't I don't as- associate myself with losers. Trump and his whole family and all his supporters are losers. I don't associate with them anymore. You know, <laughs> that would actually be so funny, right? If he just if he went full force like that, I, like how? Oh my god, I'd I'd become even more of a fan of his. You know, I disliked Kobe. Well, I first saw him actually. I was just watching his fights. I was like, oh, this guy's amazing. And then I started hearing him talk. I'm like, this guy's an asshole. And I realized it's a gimmick. I'm like, that's kind of funny. And now I really like him, especially after watching. Comrade fight, I'm like, yeah, this guy's great. But uh if if he just comes out, he's like, screw the Trump family, they're losers now because they lost the election. <laughs> he just says something ridiculous like that. And it's like, yeah, yeah, I love this guy. I always want him to win. Because <laughs> <laughs> like, that'd be because that's exactly what Trump did, you know? With the rioters that go in. Doesn't pardon them and goes off on them about being the bad guys. Exactly what COVID used to do. Let's not turn this to into politics. If we're talking Trump, we should be talking about how he saved UFC. <laughs> <laughs> but that's that's there's documentaries about that. There's there's whole situations about that. 
let's uh let's not get too sidetracked then yeah you know yeah exactly let's let, and we we are running out of, we are running a bit out of time here so let's uh let's move on to this weekend's card uh we got um Derek Lewis versus Curtis Blades is the main event uh you know it's a free card and so a lot of uh, rising prospects not too much uh in terms of uh name draw here except a former heavyweight champion uh Andre Arlovsky is going to be on that card but honestly, at this point, you know, it's 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 sad to see Arlovsky in a fight now. It's like this guy should have retired quite a bit ago. And obviously, I mean, you know, not to take away from he obviously loves this sport and uh, he doesn't mind putting people over. And you know what? He does get, you know, and not uh, uh, he does get surprise upsets from from now. You know, he's still I believe he's on a winning streak, actually. Uh, let me check that yeah, real quick. I believe he is. But so, I mean, you know, obviously he can still hang uh, somewhat in the UFC, but uh, I don't know. I just think it's, I just think how many more fights can, are we going to, are we really going to get out of this guy whenever I see him in the yeah, no, I agree. He, he, he's been through, uh, he's been through ups and downs and um, he's had some pretty hefty losses to some people, but uh, he has, uh, so he is on a winning streak. A little bit, not not much. I think two fights. I'm um, just looking at now in 2020 or 2019. Oh, he has. Oh, he his last over, win was over Tanner Bozer. Know. You know what? That that is pretty impressive because Bozer is a is a is definitely a prospect that uh, people should keep their eye on. I do remember that fight. Um, I mean, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, you know what? Who am I to say if Arlovsky can still hang or not? It's, uh, but at the same time, it's just you don't want to see these older guys get too hurt, right? And Arlovsky, yeah. you know, his nose has been reconstructed because it's been flipping shattered so many times. And uh, so I, 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 would give, uh, I would give the fights to, I would give the fight to Arlovsky only because, you, you know, with these rising prospects, you don't, you never really know. Whereas Arlovsky is the, uh, you know, the, the, the established guy we've seen around in wild. But if he does lose, it's like, well, you know, he's, that's not a surprise either. <laughs> yeah. That, that's just it. Right. Cause anytime he could go on a losing streak again, he's pretty old. His record, like he's 30 and 19. That's not great. That's every three fights. That's two losses. Basically. But um, but because he's been proving himself lately, he could pull it off again, right? We've seen many people, many people suddenly rise at older ages. But uh, it's, it's it's that's just it. It's like it's, I guess what it really comes down to is, even though he's winning, like unfortunately, from from our perspective, it seems it's uh, there's not a lot of high hopes for a far run. No, it's like when when he when he loses, it's not going to be a big deal. Or not, not, not necessarily a big deal, but like a big uh, surprise by any means, you know? Exactly. Exactly. Uh, and you also, speaking of guys who have uh, more than enough experience, you also have uh, um, uh, Alexi Olenek. The, uh, the, I think they call him Alexi Olenek. Versus Chris Dalkas. Now, I feel like we're going to... Okay, let's... Uh, so we're talking about uh, Alexi Olenek versus Chris Dalkas now. Uh I know we're going to sound like hypocrites, but you know what? Alexi Olenek, even though his record is fucking insane, uh, and we're talking about old guys in the sport, 
Olenek still is such a good... See, he has a skill that, you know, you never really... See, yeah, the problem with Arlovsky is he's a striker. And strikers have only have so many fights in them. Whereas Alexei mm. Olenek is a grappler. So you can never really count him out. Like, if he gets a hold of you, it's, 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 it's bad. <laughs> it's bad. He's still... Like, he, the thing is with these guys that are getting old is they get slower... And they get a weaker chin. Their physical strength is still there for the most part. He'll bend your arm pretty, pretty easily if he has the chance. You know, you, you gotta, you gotta knock him out or out condition the older guys. I mean, just to show you how you know how much he's his his longevity in the sport. His last win was against the main eventer Derek Lewis. So, oh, it's not not so sorry. They don't call him the no. uh, the no. the anaconda. They call him the bow constrictor. He uh he didn't win uh Derek Lewis he lost to Derek Lewis yeah that, uh, sorry that's what I meant if I said win I meant loss that so I was just trying to say like that shows you that he's still he's still got it you know he's he's only lost to Derek Lewis and that's a uh, you know to losing to Derek Lewis is is no surprise for anybody his you know his right hands are lethal oh exactly and just a few months before that he beat Fabricio Vardum. Um, which is a pretty big name. You know, Fabrizio was a champion at one point. Exactly. So uh, I'm not too familiar with Olenek's opponent. Uh, and again, this is the thing about this card is that it's a lot of uh, rising prospects against uh, some more established talent. I'd have to give it to Olenek again because if he gets him on the ground, there's nowhere for you to go. Yeah. Uh, I'm the exact same way. I'm not too familiar with the opponent. And so... The the thing that's standing out to me is a submission. That's all I can see. Exactly. Really, it's all I can. It's all I can somewhat estimate for. All right, we'll get to the the co-man here. We got uh, Caitlin Vara versus Yana Kunitskaya. Yana is the uh, the wife of uh, Tiago Santos. Uh, she has done pretty well for herself. Her last win was against uh, uh, Julia Strelenko. Who, if you do not uh, know who Julius Terlenko is, you do need to look up Julius Terlenko in Invicta. One of her, she was, uh, she won the title in Invicta, and her title fight is one of the bloodiest fights I've ever seen. I watched it live, and I, it, it was disgusting. I think you and I both watched it live. It was disgusting. Um, and so I'm excited to see Kuninskaya back in the cage. Um. Her opponent also has a very nice record of, of uh, 11 and 11 and one, uh, Caitlin Barra, uh, and she's beaten Kat Zinganu. Uh, so that you know uh, that tells you all you really need to know. So she's pretty crazy as well. Uh, there should be some pretty good names, man. Sarah McMahon as well. Ashley Evans Smith. Yeah, so she's got there. Yeah, those three. Yeah, she's beaten some pretty decent, uh, some pretty decent talent. So I mean. I would give it to Vera, but I'm I'm personally I'm rooting for Kenny Sky because I I'm I'm a fan of hers, but uh, I think Vera probably won it. Yeah, it's uh it, for me uh, this again it's a fight I uh, can't fully make an educated guess on, so I'm just gonna go off by uh, by just a gut feeling. I'm gonna say Vera. I uh, I don't know. I I feel like. Uh, I just, I can't I can't even fully say why I just feel that <laughs> I agree I agree uh, Vera is definitely the safer of the two Kunitskaya is a very good uh, uh, wrestler 
Um, and she, she's good at mixing things up, but uh, yeah, she's definitely the underdog going into this. And she even said in the press conference today that, uh, you know, this is a big step up in competition for her. So we'll see how she does yeah. though. And in the main event, yeah, we'll see. Yep. And in the main event, we got Curtis blades versus Derek Lewis. And yes. Yes. Uh, blades. I, 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 Here's the problem is that is is Derek Lewis is very exciting because he's a knockout artist uh, and obviously he can knock people out at any time. But that's the thing with everyone in the heavyweight division. They're that big. They can knock out. You know, anyone can knock out anyone at any time. Uh, And I think Curtis Blades is just much more the well-rounded fighter. And so I'm going to have to give this one to Curtis Blades. I'd uh, I'd agree with that. I think Curtis Blades is more well-rounded fighter. I uh, want to ask one more, or I want to add one more reasoning as to why Derek Lewis is an exciting fighter. I feel like the fact that he's 265 pounds and he's throwing flying head kicks is that's pretty damn exciting. Oh yeah, but um, but yeah, you, you're right. Yeah, it's just I don't know, man. Honestly, I said to you before, it's like I see this fight. To me, I don't think it's going to be the most exciting fight. I uh, I think both because because of their sizes, because of their power levels, and because of their styles, I see a whole lot of holding each other, but not fully able to change positions. I feel like uh, it's going to be a lot of Blades trying to just uh, to outgrapple Lewis, being surprised by Lewis's power, Lewis being able to defend it, not enough to, to stop it, but to hold him still. You know, a lot of against the fence, like in the spear position, going for a double leg that doesn't look like it's happening, but Blades won't let go of it. And when he's getting him down, he's not going to do a lot of ground and pound because holding Lewis down will be hard unless it's like the later rounds. As the rounds go on, I think, uh, of course, if Blades is able to hold him down, then he'll be able to start smashing a bit more. But I, I see a whole lot of waiting, a whole lot of waiting, knockout. You know, I, <laughs> I see like suddenly a knockout maybe or – or it's just going to be a whole lot of, yeah, that was all right until until the final bell goes. I I don't see a good brawl going down fully, and I don't see uh, I don't see Blades just tearing Lewis up. I don't see him just taking him down and smashing him, ground and pound and smashing him. I don't see it. I think uh, I think they're I think they're well matched. It's just that Blades, as you said, is more well rounded, and he's going to be able to use that and. Yeah, I could. I don't know. I'm happy this isn't a paper. <laughs> I I could see that happening. Honestly, right. I could see uh, Blades holding him down and just cutting him up with his elbows, and uh, making life very yeah. miserable for Derek Lewis. Uh, Derek Lewis has always been good off the bottom. Well, you know, he's been really good at uh, finding his escape through side control. Uh, yeah. But uh, yeah, I just I do. Uh, this is the thing. It's with uh, and Curtis Blades is definitely no slouch on the feet either. He's uh he's definitely. He's a force to be reckoned with, but I think he knows that uh, keeping things standing with Derek Lewis is the risk because Lewis can always fire up one of his uh, knockout punches. So I think Blades will be looking to take him down in this fight. Yeah, for sure. I'm gonna I'm gonna lay down a prediction. Yeah, hit hit me with it. I'm gonna say Curtis Blades by arm triangle late in the third or early in the fourth. Interesting. Interesting. Uh, I think he's gonna be able to set it up. Uh, sort of uh, because 
he's uh, because Lewis is going to be getting tired and exhausted. Won't be able to fully fight him off. You know, they'll be fighting between them out inside control position, and then he'll just he'll sink it in. <laughs> 